Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, and this is Encyclopedia Womanica. This month, we're talking about tastemakers, women who changed the culinary game. For much of history, women have been relegated to domestic tasks, yet female innovators in food and beverage are often under-celebrated. Today, we're heading back to the era of the French Revolution to meet the woman who revolutionized the world of champagne. Pop some bubbles and let's talk about Barbe Nicole Clicquot. Barbe Nicole Ponsardin was born in 1777 in Reims, France. Her father was an affluent textile industrialist who seemed to have an excellent grasp on shifting political winds. As the revolution approached, her father switched from a monarchist to a Jacobin, so the family made it out of the revolution relatively unscathed. As the revolution approached, her father switched from a monarchist to a Jacobin, so the family made it out of the revolution relatively unscathed. Barb Nicole grew up on a large family estate in the Champagne region. Her next-door neighbors were the Clicquots. They, too, were successful in the textile industry and were actually Barb Nicole's family's chief competitors. Barb Nicole's father and the patriarch of the Clicquot family, Philippe, decided to join forces. As a sign of the alliance, they married their children. At the age of 21, Barb Nicole married Francois Clicquot. Despite the fact that their marriage was basically an arranged business deal, Barb Nicole and Francois's marriage was a good one. The young couple took a serious interest in a part of the family business that was previously an afterthought, wine. Philippe, the patriarch, sold wine as an add-on to textiles when he was shipping large orders and had extra room on ships. He had no interest in production. Rather, he would buy wines from the area and export them. While champagne had already been invented, the Champagne region was still more famous for white wine at that time. Barbe Nicole and Francois believed there was a big opportunity in wine production, so they started to learn the ins and outs of the business. They weren't particularly successful. In fact, Philippe seemed to have gotten it right when he said they shouldn't get into wine production in the first place. Barbe Nicole and Francois's business was in the dumps, and in 1805, Francois fell ill with a fever and died. Some accounts claim he committed suicide out of depression due to his failing business. Other accounts say he had an infectious fever. Barb Nicole was devastated by her husband's death. Philippe was also distraught and was determined to end the wine business. But Barb Nicole wasn't ready to give up. She asked Philippe to invest the money she would have inherited from Francois into the wine business. Philippe agreed, under the condition that Barb Nicole get an internship with an experienced vinter. She did just that, and for four years she tried to make the business grow. But at the end of her apprenticeship, business was just as bad as before she started. Once again, Barb Nicole sought the help of her father-in-law, and once again, he helped her out. Barb Nicole had her eye on an opportunity she knew could turn things around and it all revolved around that sparkling wine we know and love today. The Napoleonic Wars were close to ending. Barb Nicole figured that if she could get her champagne in position to reach Russia once the conflict was over, she'd be back in business. 
for some context. While the champagne market was fairly small at that point in time, the Russians were early adopters. But until the war was over, naval blockades made it impossible to ship product to Russia. Barb Nicole got it as close as she could. She smuggled her best wine to Amsterdam and then waited for peace. As soon as the war was over, the shipment made it to Russia, beating Barb Nicole's competitors by weeks. Once in Russia, Barb Nicole's champagne became a hit. Tsar Alexander I declared it the only champagne he would drink, and demand soared. Barb Nicole named her brand after herself, using the French word for widow, so it was called Veuve Clicquot. There was just one problem, production. Champagne was complicated and very time-consuming to make at that point. The fermenting liquid had to be moved from bottle to bottle to rid it from yeast that affected the taste and clarity of the end product. Once again, Barb Nicole found a solution. She devised a method to keep the wine in one bottle and get rid of yeast by gently agitating it. The bottles were stored upside down and twisted regularly, causing yeast to gather in the bottle's neck. The process, called riddling, is still used today by modern champagne makers. Riddling revolutionized the industry. Barb Nicole was able to produce her product much more quickly than her competitors, and it was better quality. It was decades before her competitors, including Jean-Rémy Moet, learned the riddling method. By the time Barb Nicole passed away in 1866, Veuve Clicquot was exporting champagne across the world. Her efforts broadened the market for the beverage beyond the highest tiers of the upper class, helping to make the champagne market what it is today. Tune in tomorrow for the story of another remarkable tastemaker. Special thanks to Liz Kaplan, my favorite sister and co-creator. Talk to you tomorrow.